So today, um, we're going to be starting our mini-series within a series. Our general series theme has been Matthew, the gospel of the kingdom. And today, we're going to be starting this mini-series that says, Creating a Kingdom Culture at Home. So we want to see how does it look to have a kingdom culture at home home. So we're going to discuss that on today. And if you have your Bibles, uh, uh, today's kind of thought is when Jesus is the head of your home, when Jesus is the head of your home. Now, if you have your Bibles and you want to turn them on or or open them to Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, we'll be looking at a few scriptures, but that's kind of the overall overall passage that we want to, uh, to look at on today. So, um, why do we want to talk about the home? Why do we want to talk about creating this kingdom culture in our homes? And I'll tell you why. The home is ground zero for king and kingdom allegiances. And what that means is your home says a lot about who your king is and to what kingdom you have allegiance. If in your home, all the music that you listen to, I I don't even have to say anything else after that. It says a lot about your allegiances. If in your home, you speak to people in a negative way, and nasty way, it says a lot about who your king really is. The home is the place where we are really we. You are you and I am I at home. There's not much pretense at home. And so we'll find out. Now, we, we are gravely mistaken, brothers and sisters, when we think that national politics or school boards are the place where the real battle takes place. Satan always shops local. The home represents two of God's most treasured created institutions, marriage and family. Satan's first temptation was against marriage by tempting Eve to act independent of Adam. He targeted Adam through his marriage. Marital and family relationships are shaped by culture and an allegiance to King Jesus or a hundred usurpers who vie for the allegiance of the family, the marriage, the children, and the home. Who's king in your house really? From where do, do we do most of the problems that pastorally we deal with come from? They come from the home. Where are the most severe human anguishes felt? In the home. Where does sin and sinful attitudes have their greatest effect in the home? 
Now, this is not to say that the home is the kingdom of God or the church or the most important thing. It is to say that the culture of our homes is a clear indication of who has our allegiance. Which kingdom we truly serve? Who really is our king? Now, here's the reality. The kingdom of God brings blessing. It brings human flourishing. There is no better place in the world than wherever King Jesus is worshipped and served. Now, the counterpart is also true. The worst and most painful place in the whole world is wherever self or Satan or sin are on the throne. When they rule a home, that home is in misery and chaos. Therefore, one of the most loving pastoral kindnesses we can do is to teach and model as best we can what a kingdom family looks like, acts like, and lives like to pray over our homes thy kingdom come thy will be done what does it look like when that prayer is answered i fear that too many of us look at our home and our family relationships and think this is the way it is and this is the way i grew up and this is the way families are. Now, I want to just kind of stick a pin right there and just take about 15 seconds and say, think about how your upbringing has affected your life in your family. Think about if you came from a dysfunctional circumstance, what has that meant? Let me tell you something. Dysfunction breeds dysfunction. And some of us, if we tell the truth, came from dysfunctional circumstances. And what has happened is that as dysfunctional people growing or growing up in a dysfunctional environment, we chose dysfunctional people in our lives. I knew there wasn't going to be no amens there, but <laughs> we were attracted to dysfunction because it is what we new. And many times we go and we say, let me, let me find somebody like the persons that raised me. And Satan has had generational grips on many families. Dysfunction passed down through generations. And so we miss that God's purpose is to bring the glory of his son's kingdom right into your living room, into your kitchen, into your bedroom, every part of your home in a glad surrender to the kingship of Jesus. What's that like? What does it mean to create a kingdom culture? Now, one dictionary definition of culture is this. Culture is the integrated pattern of human knowledge, belief, and behavior that depends upon the capacity for learning and transmitting knowledge to succeeding generations. The customary beliefs, 
social forms and material traits of a racial, religious, or a social group, and also the characteristic features of everyday existence as diversions or a way of life shared by people in a place or time. That's what culture is. We create customs and traditions and things we've come to to rely on and we and it becomes our cultural norm so so in doing that what is it to have a kingdom culture let me tell you and we talked about this a little bit last week so we're going to review this part kingdom culture starts in your heart look at somebody and say it starts in the heart it starts in the heart Kingdom culture starts in your heart. Before you think that this whole section is about hanging verses on the wall of your house. Right? Or putting a sign, a huge sign in your yard saying how much you love Jesus. I want everybody to understand this very clearly. And we talked about it, as I said, last week. Kingdom culture starts in the heart. You cannot bring, thank you so much, sir. You cannot bring the kingdom to your home until you have brought the king in your heart. Now, why is that so important? Over my 30 years of, of nearly 30 years of pastoral ministry, I've come to learn this, and I didn't know this kind of so much at the, at the beginning, but I will not perform a marriage between two people. One is Christian, one is not, or both are not Christians. I won't do it. Why? You're asking two people to live in close proximity, and one's a believer and one's not, and you're going to hook them up? That is a recipe for disaster. Now, let me say this to all the people out there that think that God put you in somebody's life so that you can, you can date them and you're going to make them be a Christian. Now, I love, I love my sisters, but this is a big thing with you. The Lord put me in his life so I can get him saved. And I'm going to tolerate all this dysfunction and I'm going to marry this guy no, no, that's you. That's you. It's not God. Ladies, let me tell you something. God does not give you a construction project. Some of y'all rethinking things. <laughs> no, <I'm just laughs> now, you know, the Bible talks about if you're already there. First Peter chapter 3, you win them. With your lifestyle, the word, not your mouth. Amen? Amen. So you, you don't get a fixer-upper from the Lord. Had a lady tell me one time, said, Pastor, you was teaching on the family, and me and my boyfriend ran down to the courthouse, and we got married. I'm, I'm serious. They didn't last a month. I said, why did you do that? I have never, what fellowship has darkness and light? 
All right, now that I'm sufficiently in trouble. You have to bring the king into your heart. Why? Because every one of our judgments, whether personal or public, even the judgments we consider our best judgments, pass through the lens of sinful flesh. Sin damages the lens of our life. So the light we reflect is selfish and many times not the light of Christ. It is only when we place ourselves on the altar of sacrifice and are willing to die to self, can we truly and fully reflect the light of Jesus Christ? Only the judgments of God are worthy of trust and the title of truth. Psalms 36 and 6 says this, your righteousness is like the mountains of God. Your judgments are like the great deep. Man and beasts you save, O Lord. Romans eleven thirty three says, oh, the depths of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. He has to rule and reign here in the heart before there will be any lasting submission to him in a home, in a marriage, or in a family. Sure, you can try Christian principles for a while, but eventually the real king of your heart is revealed. Is Christ the king of your heart? What might the condition of your home indicate about the condition of your heart? Remember, the kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God through Jesus. It is a redemptive reign as sinners, as a sinner pledges allegiance to Jesus as his king and bows his life before Jesus as Savior and Lord. It is a saving surrender, a transfer of allegiance and citizenship from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of God. The kingdoms of sin and selfishness, which naturally rule our hearts and homes and marriages and families, we leave that and go to the kingdom of God. We are born again as citizens of God. We are born in this world citizens of Satan's kingdom and without divine intervention, live allegiant to that kingdom our entire lives. Who suffers? We do. Homes where the real worship is self, will fall far short of the glory God intended in the home. Marriages between two self-worshippers fall far short of, of the glory of God that he intended for marriage. What do we need? We need a new and better king over that home. A new king over that marriage. A renewed commitment to glorify the king by submitting to him. That king, my brothers and sisters, is Jesus. He has made this change possible by the power of salvation in the human heart. Scripture says in Colossians 1 and 13, 
he has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. We were born in sin, shaped in iniquity, and by the power of the resurrection and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are now transferred to a new kingdom. Somebody ought to celebrate that. That's right. He changes the home culture by changing the heart culture. The kingdom of God is a real kingdom which is with its own ethics and culture, and they are as different from Satan's culture and ethics as light is from darkness. We want to guide our homes by God's kingdom culture. Satan's culture is very obvious. It is immoral. It is self-obsessed. It is divisive. It's arrogant. It's hateful, and it hardens human hearts against one another. When a home's culture is like that, you know who the one that is in control. Now, I want to share with you some cultural indicators. And remember, we talked about culture, your normative patterns and things that have developed, what you believe, your traditions. So what are the cultural indicators that Jesus is the king of your castle? Well, the first one is that his kingdom is the first priority. Now, that's hard. That's hard for married couples sometimes to to navigate because we all want something from the partner to whom we're married. Amen. Amen. But look at Matthew 6.33. It says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, this, this key verse in all of Matthew summarizes the whole Christian home culture very well. There is a higher purpose to your family than just the family itself. Too many families fail on this point when they elevate the purpose of the family to be the family or the success of the family. It's very easy to create an idol out of your family. I mean, we all might know some people that that are very strongly committed to their family, almost so that it's an idol in their lives. Well, the purpose of the family is not just for the family. We will talk about in a marriage message in a couple weeks from now, marriages fail when marriage is the first priority of the marriage. No marriage can sustain that high of an expectation. And it devastates the couple when the marriage fails to deliver. Did you get married so that somebody can make you happy? Did you become a married person so Somebody could just really complete your life. 
You know that you complete me. Huh? Is that why? Is that why you you took your nuptials? Oh, this person, this person is a yin to my yang. We we just we just fit together like peanut butter and jelly. I mean, just just you know, when you fool around and marry somebody like peanut butter and bananas, you're gonna be in trouble. I'm just saying. Just <laughs> so so your marriage can't deliver that. Family is the same. Make your family the purpose of your family and you will be deeply disappointed. God designed family to be deeply satisfying as long as the family is not looked to as the ultimate thing. This is where Matthew 6.33 is so helpful. Seek first the kingdom of God. Emphasis here is on first. A family must provide for itself and a thousand other seekings. But nothing else is more important than God's kingdom and purposes. Does everybody in your home know the big purpose of your home? Is everybody aware that the purpose of our home is to seek first the kingdom of God? Well, if you go to the book of Joshua, Joshua made sure that his entire family and the nation of Israel knew what the big purpose of his home was. He says in Joshua 24 and 15, and if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your fathers served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Self-giving love in our lives is the norm. And here's what, here's what Jesus says in John 13, 35. He says, by this all people will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Love for one another. You're giving love even when you're not getting love back. Okay, pastor, now that's not fair. Mm-mm, don't have me trying to love somebody that's not loving me back. You know, we like that, that old R&B song, you know, it's so good when somebody you love loves you back or whatever those words are. That's right, Pastor Dix butchers the hits. That's, that's. <laughs> but we must love one another. By God's common grace, sacrificial love is common to Christian and non-Christians, families alike. There are people who are not Christian who, who, who can give, who give sacrificial love. This is one reason family life is treasured all over the world. But where love is absent from a home, there we can say kingdom culture is also absent. John, 1 John 1 or 1 John 2, 9 and 10 says this, whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Now get that. 
And you might say, well, I don't hate anybody. Some of us need to wear a sign that says that. And verse 10 says, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Kingdom love is not just being nice. You know how we do. You know, we're nice to each other most of the time. Good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good morning. God bless you. Praise the Lord. How are you today? How was your week? Now, what are you going to do when somebody tells you, uh, I caught hell all week long? <laughs> oh, praise the Lord. God bless you. I'm praying for you. I'm gone. <laughs> so you will find out who love you when you, when you say stuff like that. You know, you tell them, I had one of them rough weeks. If they hang around, it's probably a good chance they love you. They tell you to call pastor, you know. May not, they may not have that feeling. Kingdom love is the king's love. It's agape. It's serving love. It's dying to self type love, just as the king died for us. Self-giving for the joy of the other type of love. Family relationships test a hundred times every day whether I will be self-oriented or others-oriented. In a kingdom family, others' orientation is the norm. It's the norm, but not always. Why? When do we need self-giving love the most? When the dishes need to be done or when we have been offended, wronged, ignored, slandered? I agree. We need those self dishes giving love when those dishes need to be done. (laughs) Here's where the king's value can change a home so much. Do you remember 1 Peter chapter 3 when we did that series and we talked about the power of just one wife living Christianity in the home so represents the truth of the gospel that a husband can hardly deny its reality As she loves him unconditionally with the same love she discovered through Christ. Our home culture could be so dramatically changed by the infusion of gospel love to our relationships and how we treat one another. In other words, start loving Christ like Christ loves you. And if you ever want to know how Christ loves you, go to the cross. Look at the cross. Who would take that kind of punishment? Paul says it like this in Romans 5. He says, and I'm paraphrasing, but he says, barely would, we, would someone die for a good person. I mean, we, you know, all of us know one or two good people, right? You're like, I don't know if I'm going to even die for them. But he says, here's what Christ did. While we were yet sinners, while we were yet in our sins, Christ died for us. Somebody ought to be excited by that. Somebody ought to give him praise. (laughs) 
Here's another dynamic that shows us where the the measuring for our home, dignity and respect for others. In Matthew 22, verse 36, we see these words, teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And he said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Verse 38 says, this is the great and first commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. If you're going to have dignity and respect for somebody, love them like you love yourself. Now, don't look at me like you don't love yourself. Huh? (laughs) We love us some us. (laughs) Oh, yeah, we do. Oh, yeah, we do. The hair care industry is a multi-billion dollar industry because we want that dude looking right. The fashion industry. Sometimes we we don't even be thinking about going to the store. We just get in the mind, I, I just need something new. I'm going to buy me something new. You love yourself. Love other people. Show them that same dignity and respect that you show your own self. That's what Jesus is talking about. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are some things you would never say to yourself. Oh, I'm stepping on your toes today. Because you got big feet, I'm just saying. You would never say certain things to yourself. I've never seen, and if you do, we call in the, you know, the social workers and everybody else. Trade wins or, or try, try whatever it is. Edge water, something, that's right. You would never tell yourself, look at you, you no good, blah, 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 blah. If I see you cursing yourself out. You know, we're going to have a whole prayer meeting right there. You don't do that to yourself. Do you? No, you don't. So why would you talk about your neighbor? Now, before, oh, hold hold it. Pastor, some of them folks are not my neighbor. They don't live next to me. Now, they may be in my house, but <laughs> and here's the key. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? They said, Jesus, they said, who is your neighbor? And Jesus told them a parable. Here, a Samaritan who was ethnically, culturally, and spiritually different from the man who had gotten beat up. All those things were different. Let me bring it into today's culture. You know how we get in certain groups on social media? The Samaritan would have been in one group, and this other guy over here would have been in another group. And here, the Samaritan sees this man beat up on the road, And not only does he pick him up and put him on his animal. Now, there wasn't room for two of them on the animal. 
which means he walked while the hurt and wounded person rode. He took him to an inn and he told the innkeeper, he said, here's some money. See, when you start, when you start paying money, oh, I wish I had somebody here. Here's some money to take care of him. And if it's not enough, when I come back, hallelujah, I'll pay whatever I owe. Who is your neighbor? Your neighbor is not just the people closest to you. Your neighbor is some people that don't think like you. Your neighbor is some people that may not act like you. Your neighbor is some people didn't vote the way you voted. Oh, come on here, somebody. Your neighbor are people who don't look like you. Love your neighbor as yourself. Treat one another with dignity and respect. It's another cultural identifier. When there's order and peace in the home. 1 Corinthians 14, 33, the A part of that verse says this, for God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Say that with me. God is not a God of confusion, but of peace. Oh my goodness, how many lives are caught up in confusion? How many homes are caught up in confusion because we don't put him first. In a godly home, there's order and peace. Men lead not just in the checkbook, not just in the bedroom, but in the word. If you are blessed to lead about a godly wife, you have no idea how great your blessing is. For Proverbs says this, it is better to live on the corner of a roof than in a big house with a contentious woman. Don't look at me like I wrote that. I didn't make that up. So so, So that's order and peace. And then the final cultural indicator for a kingdom home is morality and obedience. This indicator may be assumed, but we shouldn't assume it. It will be a moral home that values obedience to the king. So Paul talks about this in in Ephesians chapter 6. He says, children, obey your parents. In the Lord, for this is right. Let me tell you something about how, how parenting, and we're going to get deeper into that as the weeks come, but I was so encouraged today, and he doesn't even know how much he encouraged me, but, but Dexter this morning, he said, he said to me, he got up this morning, and his, his son, Dakai, was, was watching TV at 5 a.m. I don't know if he was sitting back with some snacks or whatever. 
but he was watching TV. And here's what Dexter said. He said, Pastor, he said, I shut it down. He said, today in this house, no electronic devices will be used. Oh, y'all ought to give God some praise. I could see Dexter now going through the house, unplugging TVs and gathering up iPads and phones. A lot of us need to do that. You look around our dinner table, if we, if we even gather, some of us on our phone, kids all in the iPads, on the computer, you know, all this kind of stuff, and we, we have no communication with one another, and oh, try to take that phone from a teenager. You would think that you have sentenced them to death. <laughs> Mama, don't take my phone. It's like, take my life, but not my phone, right? <laughs> Wait a minute now. You can't. But that's, that's how it is. Because these things have become idol gods right under our noses. I want you to count. This week, do your normal thing. How many times a day do you look at your phone? I'm not talking about when it's ringing. Or when you're getting the text message. How many times a day do you look at it? Now, I know some of y'all don't look at it all because when I call you, you don't answer. You'd be like, that's, that's pastor. I ain't. <laughs> I don't know what he want, but I'm going to pray for him. That's what I'm <laughs> But God wants obedience in the home. Children, obey your parents, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. What is the promise? That your days, that it may be well with you, and your days may be long on the earth if you fail to honor your parents. You're asking for trouble in life and cutting off your own days. So that it may go well with you and you may live long. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. Had a funny little thing this morning with that with uh, Adam Santos. He's got his son in his arms and he puts him down and the baby starts crying. And I said, Adam... Don't you know the Bible says fathers do not provoke your children? <laughs> I was just teasing. <laughs> but no, in, in a very real sense, as parents, we are called not to provoke our children. So what does that mean? Don't take your frustrations out on your children. If you're a single parent, your children didn't have nothing to do with what happened in that relationship or marriage. Amen. Oh, come on, somebody ought to say amen right there. Says, so don't provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Now, in all of this, in our morality and our obedience, let's not forget to do this in grace. This must be wrapped in a covering of grace. Who in here needs grace? Oh, I know I do. I need grace more often than not. I need grace in my life. 
we must understand that none of us is where we should be. We are not always who we should be. And all of us who believe are recipients of a grace that was won at the cross of Calvary. How can God give grace to those of us who need it so desperately? It's because he put our sins on Jesus. He made him to be sin who knew no sin. That we might partake in the righteousness and the grace and the glory of God's family. So God sacrificed himself so that we could be recipients of a great grace. So when you're tempted to have anger rule your home, think about that grace you received. When your child does something so incredibly crazy, parents of teenagers know what I'm talking about, right? Right? Just, just, all I said was clean the room. How hard is that? Well, it is clean. As you trip over stuff going in the door, right? Apparently, we have a different definition of a clean means. But remember grace and the opportunity to teach your family members. Sometimes, and more times than not, to have self-sacrificing love, you have to take it. I'm going to finish with this. One of the problems in taking it is this. It ain't fair. Some of us in our relationships, we look for fairness. Let me tell you something. Agape love will put you in a place where you have to deal with unfair all the time. But it wasn't fair for the God of heaven who knew no sin, who committed no sin, who had done nothing wrong to come and hang on a cross for people who love disobedience more than they love obedience. (coughs) That wasn't fair. And so as Christians, let us understand how important it is for us to walk in grace, love, and mercy.